Boom! Hey everybody, welcome to the 43rd edition of Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Possible. Today's course is going to be about candidiasis or otherwise known as yeast. And we're going to go through all the potentials of why people have too much yeast in their system, what yeast does, what the effects of yeast is, and how to treat it and how difficult yeast conditions are. So let's get into just the process that goes through what's called um, candidiasis or things that create um, these issues. Now, yeast can create uh, what's called a gut biofilm. And really what a biofilm is, if you've ever seen a cocoon, the uh, caterpillar gets in there and they make a cocoon and it prevents them from being damaged as they go through their metamorphosis and they become a butterfly. Think of the cocoon as a biofilm. You have this protective barrier that goes around. Now you can have a, a beneficial um, part of your biofilm, but you can have gut biofilm forming bacteria, which means the bacteria create a biofilm that's actually toxic. And we can see that in inflammatory bowel disease. Now inflammatory bowel disease could be ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, um, celiac disease because you get an inf inflammatory gut. Now, if you listen to any of our cardiovascular um, podcast six series, you get a lot of biofilm, it, toxic bacteria that eventually can get into the bloodstream and create TMAO. Well, the effects of yeast in this can change how your body digests. And so there's a great book that was written. The guy was told he was absolutely nuts. Um, it was a medical doctor of all things. It's called The Yeast Connection. And he went through all of the metabolic processes that so many people have yeast. Well, guess what? So many medications change your bacterial content in your gut and allow pathogenic bacteria to take over and yeast. So if you have something, let's say prednisone, it's a steroid. And the steroid changes because of inflammation. You're trying to save somebody when you're giving prednisone from a massive inflammation. We're talking about like short-term prednisone, not the long-term prednisone for an inflammatory condition that nobody can figure out. Okay, but long-term, short-term and long-term because of the difference in doses, you can clinically see a change in their blood sugar. You can clinically, if they were to do stool tests, clinically tested that they have a change in their gut microbiome, which means that when the blood sugar goes up, you're feeding organisms such as yeast, and they have um, a change. Now, if somebody was to take a medication because they had to, called an antibiotic, you also have a change in your gut microbiome. So in the microbiome, the antibiotic is supposed to kill bacteria. It doesn't kill yeast. It's not an antifungal. It kills bacteria. Well, how I describe it in the office is everybody's been out around Christmas. Um... Whether you celebrate Christmas or not, you had to go get food or do something. So you're driving around and you're going to the store. And all of a sudden you're parking like a quarter mile away from the store and you're hi hiking in where you haven't ever done that before. Okay, think of that as a healthy, flourishing microbiome. Meaning if you took a probiotic or you ate foods that were beneficial to that, only when the spot opens up does something fill it. All right, that's pretty easy to, to uh, visualize. Now we have an antibiotic that came in. The antibiotic came in and destroyed so much of the bacteria. 
Now you're arriving, let's say, at the grocery store, and it's a 24-hour grocery store, and you're arriving at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, where do you get to park? You get to park up front. So that's what a, an antibiotic does, even to your gut. Even if they're good, they destroy it. That's their job, is to kill bacteria. Well, I describe yeast as college students. So we have these college students um, that are hanging around this parking lot. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Nothing good's going to happen, right? So they invite all their crummy friends, and um, they have a party. And you, have you ever seen how fast a party or word through the grapevine can show up and this, you know, everybody can show up at the party? Now you give these kids um, alcohol, which is sugar. We're giving the yeast sugar. You're eating food that's sugar. You're taking a prednisone that's sugar. You're having a, you know, um, um, a soft drink or you're eating um, gluten because all the gluten fruit is, is very high in sugar content because it's a carbohydrate. That's like putting gasoline on a fire. So these... College students who are now living off of your gut, free room and board, and then you're feeding them wonderful sugar. It's and it explodes. So now they explode and they multiply very rapidly, and all of a sudden this empty parking lot at two o'clock in the morning has become very full. This is how these processes happen in people, especially somebody who gets multiple antibiotics in a year. Even one a year can do this, but multiple antibiotics. Now take this and move it into the child population who do not have a proper microbiome because they're supposed to be exposed to foods as they grow up, you know, as opposed to a picky eater. You're supposed to be playing in the dirt a little bit. You're supposed to be, you know, uh, eating different foods um, and not just having one jar of applesauce every day that we see as they come in. So they don't have microbiome diversity. And then they get sick, and then they go on antibiotic, and then they have a breakdown in their microbiome, and then they have this massive yeast infection. They have gut dysbiosis. They have rashes. They have allergies. They have acne. They have everything under the sun that we, we look at. Now, move that forward along to the to the adult population. Maybe you didn't have that as a kid, and maybe you did. So if you did, like me, you have a higher incident of all these other fun things like autoimmunity that come along. But let's say it's an adult population, and they did that. Now we have... Um, and we'll even start at like 16 years old. Somebody had to go on birth control. Somebody had to go on a thyroid medication. Somebody had to take an antibiotic. Um, somebody in their teenage years became diabetic. There are all these wonderful triggers that come along. What if you had a traumatic brain injury, a concussion? Uh, those things that that can be there or a toxic exposure or, you know, you work in a, a textile industry and there's a lot of paint thinners and, and other things that are there. Um, these are all potential triggers. So all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you eat because you have more yeast in your microbiome than bacteria that are beneficial. And so the yeast can change how your hormones work. Their yeast can change what you crave. You may be craving more sugar and salt because of the yeast and not necessarily because of you. Well, what does that do? So when you have a gut dysbiosis and you try to eat food, Instead of the bacteria breaking it down properly like it should be and then going into your bloodstream and then it goes to the cells as energy, you have yeast breaking them down where they're not efficient. So they break down in particles. Well, if for whatever reason blood sugar is too high or too low, traumatic brain injury, a concussion, uh, use of um, certain medications that pull the body part or another antibiotic, you get what's called a permeable membrane. Now the yeast get into the bloodstream. Now the food particles get in the bloodstream. Now you have... Um, food allergies. This is a, a, a very easy way why how adults typically get food allergies. Now, children get it differently, food sensitivities, food allergies, but this is what happens over time. We have life experiences, and so somebody who may not have had allergies when they were a kid, 
and they could be 40, 50, or 60. Now they're just really suffering. There's something in that pathway that has created it. So one of the main ones that gets out there is what's called Canada albicans. And while it's part of the natural microflora, it lives in the mouth, the urethra, uh, the gastrointestinal tract, and the vaginal um, area. But when you get an immune system that breaks down low white blood cell count or immunocompromised, which is below 2.5, you get what's called dysbiosis. You can get this by antibiotics. You can get this by uncontrolled diabetes. And so if it shows up when we see it in a, a child or worse, in, a, in an adult, it's called oral thrush. It's in the mouth. Um, if it's in the urinary tract, we have to do a urine culture. If it's in the, um, the vaginal yeast infection, we have to do a tissue culture. If it's in the gastrointestinal tract, it's, we have to do stool samples. And any of these can lead to intestinal permeability. We've even had where somebody's had multiple urinary tract infections, multiple. Um, that had nothing to do with every, everything um, from a urethra, urine culture was, was uh, even when they go up in scope, bladder was fine. Kidneys were fine. The problem was it had got through their gut, gotten to their bloodstream, and their kidneys are filtering this thing. So intestinal permeability is a big deal. <clears throat> and then you get yeast in the, the circulation. That's called uh, So we can run an actual antibody in your circulation to see if it's there, which is not good. Because it increased the serum, uh, what's called candida albicans antibodies in the blood, it will cross-react with tissues. And that can lead to autoimmunity. So this is not what we want to see. And so some people don't have any symptoms at all, but they have gut immune compromise um, of what they, they're going for. Now, in this process, you can have silent infections. You can have silent hepatitis. You can have silent H. pylori or Helicobacter pylori. You can have subtle, what's called um, Porphyromonas gingivalis, which is when you get gingivitis. And then you can have latent viruses, such as um, HSV 1, 2, and 6, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr, uh, or even chickenpox. And when these become a little bit further longer, they become activated. Of course, you've heard of cold sores and shingles and genital warts and fever and fatigue as they're coming um, active as opposed to dormant. And then people get into what's called symptomatic, where you actually have positives that come along or you have the bleeding gums and everything that's going with it, or you can have symptomatic limes. And by the way, these clinical pathogens that can get into the bloodstream can be linked to Alzheimer's. So we want to keep these um, as reasonable as we possibly can. Now, from a digestive standpoint, when you get into um, candida, you can have other infections that affect it. And when we have digestion, we have to have our thyroid working properly. So anybody who has Hashimoto's or Graves or anything, hypo, hypo, hyper, or hypo, or hyper, hyper, hypo, hypo, there's, there's combinations of, of thyroid issues that go on. You can have any of these infections, such as Helicobacter pylori, Toxoplasma zygondii, Yersinia enterolytica, intercolytica, Candida, which is your yeast, Hepatitis C, Epstein-Barr, Cytomegalovirus, Herpes viruses, Parvoviruses, and Lyme, or Borrelia burgdorferi, which can all be triggers to the thyroid. And so <clears throat> it's, it, it starts to break it down. Now, if you started like that with a kid, or if you're a parent of a child, and every time you go to the pediatrician, there's an antibody presented to you. It's time to change pediatricians because that's not the way to do it. So they have to look at, well, what's really going on with this child? What's the fever? What's the temperature? What's the time? What's the, <clears throat> all the different things that go with it so they can decide what's, what's going to go on. Because if you over um, give that, you get a gut microbiome that's no longer 
efficient. So as a child develops, they have changes in their central nervous system. They have changes in their lungs. They have changes in their immune system. So their body can start to attack themselves. So you're actually increasing the probability and potentiation for asthma allergies and autoimmune conditions later in life. So in the central nervous system, the gut microbiome does not work. And this is not just adults, but for the most part, children, we get changes in um, neurological signalers. So uh, acetylcholine, GABA, norepinephrine, dopamine, serotonin, sympathetic nerve fibers, afferent and efferent vagal nerve fibers all get changed when you have a microbiome that is not working. So this is why we typically try to get people to have more fiber. We want short-chain fatty acids to go into there, and we want to turn off what's called the GALT response, which is a gut-associated lymphocytic tissue. And when we can do that, we can. these are how we can help kids who have allergies and asthma because they're helping their gut to fix their lungs, helping their gut to fix their brain, helping their gut to help their immune system to be more efficient. And then we run tests to make sure that we're actually doing better. Now, all this information, if you're just dying to know about that, when the childhood <clears throat> uh, microbiome came from the 2021 Journal of Gastroenterology, and it's called Childhood Development of the Micro and the Microbiome, the Intestinal Microbiome and Maintenance of Health and Development of Disease During Childhood Development. And this was from the Department of Pediatrics, University of Chicago, Illinois. So um, I'm not just throwing this out here. This is actually in mainstream medical um, research. So if, if you have a pediatrician or a gastroenterologist is saying this is nuts, it's there. It's, it's clearly there. And from a childhood standpoint, when you have gut microbiota that are off, you get a high heightened sense of ADD, um, attention deficit disorder, hyperactivity disorder. And by the way, these all kind of go across each other anymore. Um, so ADD is kind of fused into ADHD and hyperactivity, um, and those things. Well, guess what? It's the same thing happens in adults. So how are we getting into these things? Well, artificial sweeteners is one of the biggest things. So even if you're a diabetic and <clears throat> you take, or, or maybe you're just like, I, I just don't want to have sugar, so I'll have artificial sweetener. So artificial sweeteners, non-caloric artificial sweeteners are, are widely used, but what they do when they get to the gut is they alter the gut microbiome. They alter it. So it, it's no different than... I mean, it's, it's, it's what happens is it looks the same as if you're taking an antibiotic. It alters the gut microbiome, which means then you get the potentiation for yeast. You get the potentiation for um, the inefficient or un, un, uh, bacteria that is beneficial to you. That's not good. So artificial sweeteners act as an antibiotic because they kill so many of the beneficial flora. And they start to affect, over time, glucose and insulin tolerance tests. So even if you're not diabetic and you drink this on a regular basis, you're pushing yourself toward diabetes. Isn't that crazy? You're taking non-sugar and it's creating this. Now, um, this particular one uh, came out of the Journal of Nature. You might have heard of that before. Um, and so October 2014. So... <laughs> It's, it's been around for a while, but who, who's saying anything of this? Well, maybe you just take a probiotic or maybe just take prebiotic. <clears throat> well, those are important for gut and that's important for brain development, but where do they sit in and where do they make sense to use? Because if you're taking an antibody, right as you start an antibiotic or a probiotic when you're taking an antibiotic, are you going to benefit or is it just killing it? We don't know. And then, well, what's a, a probiotic versus a prebiotic? Well, prebiotics is just like the food, like the fiber. So we're short-chain fatty acids or fiber. 
to feed the gut bacteria. What if you have bad bacteria and you're feeding it? You're just putting fuel in the fire. It's like putting sugar into a, a, a yeast situation. And then we have a probiotic, which if you just give one probiotic, let's say people have, they eat yogurt after they um, have an antibiotic, which, okay, intellectually it makes sense, but the Usually there's so much sugar. If you turn on any of these yogurts, for the most part, the sugar is so high, so you're just not, you're, you're feeding your yeast more than anything else. And then it has to get past the gut flora, or it has to get past the stomach, which a lot of those don't. And then it has to come in in a certain amount. You have to have a minimum of 15 billion to get the job done. And then you want to have at least seven of the 12 beneficial strains that are considered in there in a probiotic. So if you're using a probiotic, these are what need to happen. If you have to refrigerate your probiotic, it ain't going to pass the stomach. Um, I'm just no ifs, ands, or buts. It means it's not stable. So your probiotic needs to be made out of these short chain fatty acid fibrous materials. And, and that's what's in the bacillus side of it, where they're very hardy. They can get past the stomach, or it can be even better yet. What we use is a delayed, react, um, delayed release capsule, so it gets past the stomach and into the small intestine where they belong to release when we do use them. And our minimum dose, even with children, is 25 billion. Then it goes to 50 billion, then it goes to, I think, 100 billion, then it goes to 225. And we use them sparingly because we understand that in the line of what's called top-down physiology, if I don't get your digestive system work like saliva, stomach acid, gallbladder, pancreas, what's the point? We're not going to get there. So that's that's how we use probiotics clinically. But um when as, as far as somebody just taking them for routine use, I don't, I don't see how that works. And what if it's gone to the cardiovascular system? There's no study that's showing that probiotics helps the cardiovascular system directly or what's called a TMAO uh, use. The probiotics don't help that way. They can help in different ways. Or you can get things in there to fill the holes as, let's say, your yeast or bad bacteria come down so that you're not making as much inflammation. There is that. There is other things that help the gut restore itself. There is that. And um, so we use them um, sparingly as it comes through there. So let's talk about some environmental risks that come to it. So as we get into yeast particularly as we're talking about this, it can get into the brain. If you have a gut barrier, a lung barrier, a sinus barrier, a brain barrier, and even an arterial barrier, and they start to break down, these pathogens can get across to the brain. And then you get what's called cognitive decline. So you start having the beginning or the symptoms of, um, well, Alzheimer's. Uh, and yeast can be one of those things that's been, it's been especially candida albicans, has been researched quite well in connection to Alzheimer's. We do not want this to get past um, the brain barrier and get in there, but once it does, it creates havoc. It kills cells. One cell dies, it kills another side. Um, and, and this isn't just yeast back, uh, virus getting in there. But anytime, anything, a pathogen that gets into the brain creates neuroinflammation. And when you get neuroinflammation, you get amyloid plaque trappings, and this is how you get amyloid plaques. And if the pathogen has a cross-reactivity to amyloid precursor proteins, you get what's called neurofibrillary tangles. This is the pathogen mechanism to get to Alzheimer's. And we, we, don't, we don't want that. <laughs> so these 
microorganisms we want we want to keep where they're at we want to keep these uh, blood-brain barriers in check we want to make sure that um the good thing is when you're treating these when you're taking any product generally speaking like glutathione or turmeric or resveratrol or what's called in, in our world lg restore we're trying to get those barriers to be set and we're trying to get the inflammation down to the, and then try to figure out what the immune system doing so somebody has a subtle neuroinflammation via yeast or it could be another pathogen they just might have some brain fog or their brain speed's done or their endurance is down uh, or when they eat stuff they they don't feel well and then it gets to a moderate issue where you start to get into depression or they can't sleep or they're extremely tired they have no motivation they they, they don't want to eat and they're just they're just they're just too tired to work out and then we get into severe issues and all you have to do is look at our president. Delirium, confusion, a handshake here or there, uh, word changes. Uh, they start getting into seizures, difficulty speaking, trembling, tremors, involuntary twitching. Um, they can shuffle and do other things. I'm not trying to, to point out that that's my clinical dose diagnosis from 100, you know, 2,000 miles away to the to the um, to the present United States currently. But everybody can see that there's some cognitive delay and cognitive changes in him and that's what i'm pointing out when you see something like that in yourself or your what's called word scramble word salads or you're not making any sense you know where you're talking well four score and 17 dogs cats and bears ago what um that was something that that he had he had memorized and it's 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 sad to see those things so we want to make sure that, especially if you're listening to this and you're really over the age of 60, you can have an upper respiratory infection or a urinary tract infection, and then all of a sudden these people start to have significant mental decline, or they look like they they're not they don't remember anything. That's telling you that the infection has they have a barrier issue. Now that barrier is crossed over that blood-brain barrier, and they're starting to get into. Um, dementia via a pathogen so when they get treated for that they can actually recover um, pretty good but then what's the follow-up most doctors go okay great you're, you're doing so much better now we'll stop there but here's the thing that's a big red flag they have a blood brain barrier issue that's coming along that's the same with a kid you have a kid that um does they get strep and they start to get very dizzy and very clumsy i mean it can appear to be pans or pandas but maybe it's not and then they have an antibiotic, and then they're all better. Okay. Um, go back 30 years. How many kids had this this kind of an issue? It was, I'm sure it happened. It just wasn't understood. But it didn't happen to the degree that it does today. So what do we have to do with those children? Well, we have to start to help that barrier system. So if you haven't heard of leaky gut, I have podcasts that go along with, with leaky gut that go along with it so that you can help understand exactly what we're talking about here but that's not what we're um, our point is today is to talk about uh, yeast so when yeast get into the bloodstream because of intestinal permeability they have the ability to create lps lipopolysaccharide and lps is not good so you have four different types of leaky gut. There's um, a breakdown of tight junctions, which is called paracellular permeability, and transcellular, which is you actually have destruction of the cell, uh, and it goes through. So ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, and celiac do that. And then you have paracellular with LPS and paracellular without LPS. 
Um, and, and when you have an LPS that's there, it's called endotoxemia. So the worst is when you have cellular destruction plus endotoxemia. But the next worst is anything that has endotoxemia is a problem. We don't want to ever see that. So that's when we have an LPS positive that we can check in the bloodstream. So most doctors, when we have that, and we're talking about yeast, they will, okay, we've, we've diagnosed this leaky gut, and we're going to give you a lot of su supplements, and we're going to see what's happening. Cross our fingers. If you don't know what type of leaky gut you have, there's a problem. If you don't know if there's endotoxemia, there's a problem. If you don't know if it's a blood-brain barrier issue, there's a problem. If you don't know if there's uh, what's causing your general or um, leaky gut or, or permeable membrane, there's a problem. If you don't know if they have an autoimmune issue, there's a problem. So we have to know um, these processes that come through there because if you've got chronic candidiasis, what is it? Where is it coming from? What are we looking for? And one of the things we do in the office is a, a particular spit test. It does pick up the first part of it, and we're checking for blood-brain barriers. We're checking for um, different types of uh, inflammatory bowel. We're checking for um, cross-reactant foods and heavy metals and blood-brain barrier proteins. And then if we, we should also look at what's called all the different cross-reactivity for autoimmunity. We have to have those ruled out. So when you have a lipopolysaccharide antibody, it's bacterial endotoxemia associated with intestinal permeability. And while I, I can say that, and it doesn't sound like a, who knows what, but by the way, you can have endotoxi endotoxemia just from a periodontal infection, so gingivitis, that can get there. But it, what it does is anytime you have that, you have altered gut microbiome. You have altered detoxification pathways. You have altered inflammatory pathways. You have um, anything that's inflammatory disease-wise, you have the ability to um, really get sick. So a lot of these these cases is we have to really take a look at what their, their trigger is and see what we can do to help them down because endotoxemia creates so much so much inflammation you can have obesity you can have insulin resistance you can have neuroinflammation which is your brain you can neurodegeneration which is your brain going south we can have um, your liver starts to to be fatigued which means you get intolerant like you used to put on perfume now you can't you used to uh, use this deodorant now you can't uh, you can have chronic fatigue you have systemic inflammation lps is, is not good and it can get into uh, sepsis it can get create heart disease it can create Again, um, even type 2 diabetes, you can get kidney infections, you can get lung infections, you can get cancers, you can get autoimmunities. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to be as clear as I can. When we have a positive LPS and you have never been checked for it, it's a big deal. And then as it breaks the barriers apart, you have zonulin and, and, and endotoxins that come across there. Your risk for heart attack and stroke go up exponentially. So we want to know what's going on there. As it breaks down, you have a higher risk for Alzheimer's. Um, that's not good. So we want the yeast to be taken care of the best that we possibly can. So endotoxemia is a big deal, and that's why us have an entire uh, webinar to endotoxemia and what we need to talk about. So again, if you have yeast, you can have elevated thyroid antibodies. As the yeast goes down, the antibodies tend to go down too. 
Um, and if we're not talking about that or somebody's not testing you for that in the office, sometimes we just do what's called a muscle response test to take a look at it. And if we have a positive, then we follow up with a blood test. Or if somebody's not getting better, um, you have to dig deeper. Okay, well, these strategies aren't working. What else could it be? Is there another infection that's hitting there or in there? So that's that's when we, we go take a look at um, the potential for candidiasis, especially if we see, okay, somebody's taking away some of their uh, inflammatory responses, whether it's food or lifestyle and diet or even supplements. Let's say they had Hashimoto's thyroiditis and they're just drinking a whole bunch of like taking Lugol solution. There's a real good chance that they're, they're not helping themselves. So they take away these triggers, but yet they still have an issue. Um, then we have to go look for hidden infections. Now, one of the best things that we can give you is a short chain fatty acid and that's what's called our immune balance and why because it has butyrate and butyrate helps the gut repair butyrate helps the immune system repair. butyrate helps prevent atherosclerosis which means it's going to help with um, cardiovascular disease another thing that we use in our office is called molybdenum or molly b um, and even molybdenum goes back like into the 50s where they were looking at autopsies of uh, polio survivors, those who died and those who didn't. And molybdenum, when they had more of them, um, they did better. And what molybdenum can do is it can help reduce. So let me go to this. So there's a toxin that yeast put out. It's called um, acetylaldehyde. It's like formaldehyde. It's very close. It can be converted into a, a, a source of energy. Well, yeast, when they go through their cellular respiration, we, we breathe in oxygen, we breathe out CO2. That's cellular respiration. Yeast will bring in that sugar and food and whatever, and they breathe out acid aldehyde. So molybdenum counts help break that down. So in some cases, we have to give people molybdenum. Well, some people also have a fast, what's called CBS. It's a gene which doesn't allow them to keep their B vitamins enough, so they can't get into what's called methylation. So they have to take more B vitamins hopefully to the point that they don't have anxiety because B vitamins can create anxiety and then slow the process down. <clears throat> now, there are foods that you can consider. Um, some people take uh, caprylic acid or citrus seed extract or cinnamon or garlic or oregano um, that help kill yeast or um, there is a Oregon grape, which is a, a, the root side of it, and citrus seed extract, which help naturally kill these. But here's here's what we have to understand: whether you're taking a natural response or you're taking a uh, an approach from a, a, a yeast killer or let's say an, a medication, how much yeast do you have in you? Because you're going to have it. It doesn't matter what the killer is. What's going to happen to anything? Just like an antibiotic, it's supposed to kill something. What happens when you kill a cell? It dies. And what happens? The inside of it is now released. So there are conditions that are called Herxheimer, which is these toxins get out into the bloodstream because you're killing everything, and now you're worse. So you have to be very careful. That's why we like to quantify a test to see how much yeast is there, because you have to be very careful on not making somebody worse. That's not the mantra, is to make somebody worse to get better. I hate that idea. So sometimes we just have to... Um, do it by what's called a, a candida control program, which is you're going to avoid all junk food, white sugar, white flour, soft drinks. Uh, you're going to have liberal amounts. 
not politically liberal, just a lot, of nutritious food and a wide variety of sources. You're going to avoid all sugars, chocolate, honey, molasses, and maple syrup. You're going to avoid fruits, fruit juices. You're going to try not to eat the same food on the same day. Why? We're trying to help that microbiome. And we're going to have low carbohydrate vegetables or seafood or lean meats and eggs. And that's that's what we do. I mean, vegetables you can eat freely. Meat and chicken uh, that's not breaded, and they have to be lean, like chicken and lean beef, lean cuts, veal pork, uh, beverages, essentially water and non-sweetened, because we talked about sweeteners that can affect you. Um, and then we, we try to stay away from like corn and peas because they have a high carbohydrate associated with them or potatoes. And then we, we stay away from grains because they, they create all this. So that means bread is out. Um, dairy is very, very rare. And then we have to stay away from any high fructose corn syrup, fructose, maltose, lactose, anything in an oats because it's a sugar. And then things that are packaged and processed have these things in them too. Moldy cheese, such as um, gorgonzola, um, blue cheese. Well, guess what? They have a lot of mold in them. So we just want to stay away from them. Well, what is mushrooms? It's a fungus. So I don't want to, I want to take away these things or alcohol and alcohol in general is technically a sugar. Well, I don't want to put sugar or malted drinks. So somebody like, well, I won't have that, but I'll put, let's say apple cider vinegar on my fish tonight. Well, that's a malted drink. We have to stay away from it. Um, and while you can have coffee and tea, we have to have them without anything else in them. So leftovers also can be moldy, so we have to stay away from those. So those are just a food guideline as it goes along. But these things are difficult. Yeast doesn't go away in a day. It, it just doesn't. And when it shows up in the body, or worse, <clears throat> it shows up in the toenails, that just means your immune system is not getting there. So that could be vascular, cardiovascular. That could be the immune system. Your Th1 pathway, which has your natural killer cells, is not getting down there. Or it could be a combination of both of them. Or it could be that your gut's leaking out, and that just happens to be where it's settling. There's this thing called gravity, and it can't get back. So these are all potential options as it um, goes through there. So we, we can't just look at one case and say, okay, this is what you need to have. Take the supplement and be done with it. So that's that's important. So again... Uh, coming back to it, what what would we do clinically? Well, we got to see what's happening to your gut microbiome and is it in your bloodstream? Big deal. Do you have LPS? Do you have another trigger that's aligned? Because you, 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 let's say you have a perfect diet, okay? Everything's fine. Your blood sugar is fine, but you have an autoimmune condition. Well, autoimmune condition can affect your gut and it can open up your gut to these microbiome issues and you have some yeast in there but instead of having it in your gut now it's into your bloodstream now we got a problem so that there's nothing of your own fault um that we get there so what we we try to do is naturally decrease the amount of it fix the source of it and then if it's in the bloodstream i, I need to get something out there to help it and sometimes when somebody walks into my office it's not a natural case they they need help they need a medication and, and there's a reason to do that but the biggest issue i want you to catch from this is that we don't want to have any lps lps that goes through there affects the bloody brain barrier and one of the things we use in our office is a, it's called um gi immune and that has short chain fatty acids in the butyrate side of it so that we can help our patients get better now if you've ever heard of bone broth um Bone broth can help with this, and L-glutamine can help with this. So we have these in our LG Restore. And so I'm not against any of, the, any of these, these processes. As it gets further down, um, 
these are times if they're toxic we can use in a in a cysteine we can use um glutathione we can we can get into if, it, if it's inflammatory in there we can use into uh, deglycerizinated licorice or ggl uh, we can get into the probiotic world of it um the but it, it all depends on what type of condition walks in the door now when it comes to intestinal fungus and yeast under uh acid uva ursa ursi cat's claw powder arco arco are very very good at helping manage and kill these so is tea tree oil and oil of oregano so we do have immune support which has a lot of oil of oregano and then we have gi immune um support which has almost all of these in there because we're trying to mitigate and decrease what's going on and then we can come back and take a look at what's left is there there so when we're using um clinically we might even have or somebody gets referred to us that just had a stool and it says they should do it what's called a culture insensitivity and they'll say hey um they respond wonderfully to these things or wormwood or olive leaf or garlic extract or golden seal or um barberry extract well, we have these in some of our products that so we just go right to what it is and then we rerun it. If you don't have a follow-up test, you don't know what you've done. So that's that's the big the big thing is we, we get people and they come in and then they, they start the process and then they, they, they have to have the follow-up test. You have to have the follow-up test. If you don't have the follow-up test, then you don't know if you're, going, you're in the right um, set to move to the next process. So get that infection done stabilize the intestinal permeability and reduce the inflammation is the process that goes through here so in short candidiasis is a little difficult because of all the factors that can come in or when somebody comes in on 20 medications how much yeast are they going to have probably a lot because a lot of the medications regardless of where they come from are the and, and by nature of it they're cellular and gut disruptors so you're you're fighting this uphill battle so that it makes it very difficult for somebody yes you have this situation and yeah you can take these products but hey man um are we robbing peter to pay paul are we tread i mean at best i want to tread water um like the goal is to make headway but sometimes you just can't because of the amount of medications they're on they're on and in that case we we go okay if you're on this many called polypharmacy, really anything over five, you should be meeting with an interactive pharmacist, a PharmD, and the PharmD should be reviewing all of the medications and looking to see if there's any interactions, and they should be sending letters to the doctors who are prescribing, even if they know what's going on. Not you, you got to understand that the PharmD is very good at what they do from a reactivity standpoint, and while your medical doctor, let's say that you have a cardiologist and a gastroenterologist, while they're probably very familiar with the other medications that somebody's on, they may not know the intricacies that comes up in the PharmD uh, program. When they put them into their computers, I only know this because I got to sit in, sit in with one of them. They, they can, these interactions come up, and they can have like 300 pages of interactions, but um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. They can have a ton. But we have this plus this plus this, and all of a sudden you get this, okay, what's going on here? So if there's somebody that has this particular symptom and it's showing up on all of these things, for instance, somebody has, um, you could have a, a medication that has diarrhea, and all five medications have diarrhea, but the first four you had, nothing happened. And it's the, fourth, the fifth one you had, all of a sudden there's diarrhea. Well, it's not the fifth one that did it. Um, it was a combination of all four or all five of them. 
And so from the medical doctor standpoint, from my experience, they don't see that because they're not in that world the way a PharmD is. So if you have a multi-pharmaceutical life that you have to be on, take the time, hunt down one, uh, get a get a pharmacist to take a look at it so that you can get the best treatment that you deserve. Um, I know you have a lot of podcasts you can listen to. I appreciate you listening to ours. I hope this helps anybody who has candidiasis. Again, The Yeast Connection, I thought it was a very good book. I know they've updated it. It came from the 80s. The guy was told he was nuts, and now he's told he's smart. Um, but that's the way the world works. Um, if you like our podcast, like it. If you want to share it, share it. Uh, if you want some more topics, go ahead and email our office at um, hello at choosenewleaf.com, or you can visit our website at choosenewleaf.com. I'm Dr. Alan Trites. Great health does not have to be a mission impossible. This podcast, Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Impossible, provides you information about evidence-based strategies for Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, gut health problems, digestion, autoimmune disease, brain health issues, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode, Nutrition, Dr. Trite's blog, and many other topics at choosenewleaf.com. There you'll have all the information, and thank you for listening to this podcast. The best thing to do is sign up for his newsletter, where he'll update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. You can find Dr. Trite's social media on Instagram and Facebook with the username New Leaf Health. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. Note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.